As we continue in this series, we stick with Matthew's gospel and we pick up where we left off last week in chapter 8. Jesus has just healed Peter's mother-in-law and this is what happened next. Now when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. But a scribe then approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you where I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke up, woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm they were amazed, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Join me in a prayer. Give us insight into this story, O oh God one we have heard often throughout our lives, one that so many of us learned as a child. Give us eyes on some of the power of what this story is and why it hits us the way it does. Grace us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditation on all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength. Amen. Our world is sick. Our world is sick. That's, if you were here last Sunday, you know that that's the line that we ended with together last week. Our world is sick and is in need of a healing hand. As I've thought about that phrase this week, I've become reminded that it's a difficult one to say, a difficult one to hear. Not so much because we don't necessarily think anything's wrong with the world. We do. We would certainly probably agree on that. All you got to do is turn on the news and or watch what's going on, or, or read some something on the internet, and, and you would probably say to yourself, yes, our world is full of problems, our world needs help, our world is sick, it needs a healing hand. So it's not that part so much that's difficult, although it is hard to hear. What's difficult about it is what you really mean when you say it if you think about it long enough. The first assumption in saying it is to say, you know, the world out there is sick, but I'm okay. 
if everyone else were just fixed like me, then we'd all be okay. But that's not the truth, is it? If we're brutally honest, we realize that that statement includes us, that we are in fact part of the world, and if the world is sick, then we are part of it. We contribute to it by what we say or don't say, by what we do or don't do, by what we, uh, by what we allow or don't allow. So the hard part about it is the world is sick, and we're part of it, which means we have work to do. We have work to do. And our story is, interestingly enough, believe it or not, a story that can give us a glimpse into the kind of work we have before us, the kind of work that God would ask of us in a world that is in need of a healing hand. The story about the disciples on the boat and the storm. When we read it, often we often think of it, our default is from when we were a child and we learned this and we had this image of, of Jesus coming up and, and magically waving his hand and the clouds part. We read it as, as just a natural phenomenon kind of story. And it's not that it's not that, but there's so much more to it going on here. It's not just about Jesus being an example of God's sovereignty over the natural world. There's more to it. In fact, why in the first place would Matthew drop it into, in the middle of all these other stories about healing? Why would all of a sudden he insert this random story about a storm in the middle of all these others that are about healing? Could it not be that Matthew sees this story as a healing story? That in fact the storm itself might just be a metaphor of what's going on on the outside as a metaphor for the storm going on on the inside. That, that Jesus coming and saying those words isn't just calming the, the storm, but calming the storm. Think about it. When Jesus comes out from the bottom of the boat, he's actually not focused on what the boat is doing. He's focused on what the disciples are doing. He could care less about the weather. Cares everything about the people. Oh, I'm convinced that if Matthew were to give this story a title, it wouldn't be Calming the Storm. The title might just be Calming the Soul, Healing the heart. It's what this story is about after all, isn't it? And that's what hooks us. I think that's what grabs us. It's not the stuff going on out here, but the stuff going on in here, not just with the disciples in the boat, but with us as we read it. And I think that's why we can't set this little brief story down until we read the whole thing, that we can't just get to the part where the disciples are scurrying about in fear. We can't leave it there. We have to get to the part where Jesus comes up to the top and calms everybody down because deep down inside, we want that for ourselves too. We deeply want 
Jesus to come and calm the soul going on, to calm the storm going on in our soul, to calm the storm that's going on in the world. And so when we read that part about him coming up and everything going to a dead calm, including the fear of the disciples, there's a part of it that jumps off the page right into the depths of who we are. We feel calmer too. Why is that? What is it about Jesus that somehow calms us down when we get all riled up? What is it about Jesus that lifts us high when when we're feeling really low? What is it about Jesus that in a moment of time calmed the disciples from uncontrollable fear? Well, I have a thought and my thought comes from an article that I read recently and in that article one of the suggestions made was this. It suggests that an organization is only as healthy as its leaders. In other words, a group of people can only be as healthy as the one leading them. They may not be as healthy, but they can't be more healthy as the one leading them. So the health of a group of people is dependent upon the health of the one they are allowing to lead them. You translate that idea into this story today and you might say that the disciples can only be as healthy as their teacher. So when the teacher's not around, long gone, they think it's all over, they're scurry, they scurry about in fear and, and, and they get lost within themselves in fear and, and then Jesus comes to the top, their teacher, and all of a sudden everything calms down. They become calm because he is calm. They become calm because he is calm. It's no mistake that Matthew puts this story first because he's saying that that's what is following Jesus is all about. It feels like being in a boat with a storm. And we operate with the faith that Jesus is not down in the bottom of the boat, but is right there with us, helping us remain calm because he is calm, helping us to trust because he trusts, helping us to have faith because he has faith. And the more you read this story of the disciples as they begin this life together, these few years they spend with him, over time they become more healthy because Jesus is healthy. They become more faithful because Jesus is faithful. That's what following Christ is all about. That's what's happening in this story. We have this transition that has occurred from the last three weeks. We followed these first six stories of healing in the Gospel of Matthew, and they're separated into two sets of three. We finished the last set of the first set of three last week. Each of those are focused on Jesus healing someone on the outside, someone not part of the community. And in other words, 
They are focused on Jesus bringing an outsider in. Today we start a new set of three where the focus changes. It turns. It changes from Jesus bringing the outsider in to Jesus sending the insider out. It's all about what being a follower of Jesus Christ is like. And that's why the story of the storm. That's what it's like. It's like sitting in a boat. And the storms are happening all around. And the question is, do we trust that Jesus is there with us or not? Is he there helping us remain calm, helping us to trust, helping us to have faith? Is he there? As the disciples work with him and in their ministry, one of the things that becomes clear is that they don't just sit there and gain this health by osmosis. It doesn't just magically transfer to them. They have to work on it. They have to, to do the work. Got to work on your faith. Got to work on being healthy. In fact, Jesus coming up to the top and saying, don't, don't fear is his way of saying, you've clearly got something to work on here. We're going to work on it together. So they do. Part of why over time they become more healthy together is because they work on it. But you have to work on it. If anyone who has ever been to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, ever been in one of those meetings, you know that at the end of the meeting, every single one, they stand and they hold hands and they say this together. They say the same thing. They say, keep coming back, it works. If you work it. Keep coming back, it works, if you work it. The keep coming back part's kind of tough, but the it works part sounds great. The if you work it sounds awful. If you work it. Got to work it? <laughs> Terrible, but true. And I would say the same thing is true of faith and church. It works if you work it. You know, some people go to church, spend a lot of time in church, but never work it. Some people spend their whole life in church, but spend no time with Jesus. So the storms keep blowing. Some of you are here today because there's a storm in your life and you're having trouble admitting it. So hear me when I tell you. Listen to me when I say that if you can find the courage, if you can somehow muster up the strength within yourself to admit to someone else that you've got storms in your life and you need help. I promise you, you might just find one other thing happening at the same moment. You'll open your eyes and you might just see Jesus standing there with you beginning to calm your soul. It works if you work it. I recently read a story that was written by a doctor about a patient of his 
named Ora, O-R-A, unique name. And he wrote this, this little story about his patient. He said, he talked about her. He said, she's been a patient now for a number of years, one of my favorite patients, actually. And, but I will never forget her first visit. She came into my office or into the room, you know, and, and everything was normal, you know, and she had some things going on, but it wasn't out of the realm of normal for a person her age and, you know, where she was. And so the meeting went normal, just like an appointment would go. And except at the end, when I was about ready to leave, that's when things took a turn. I turned and I went to leave and I heard her ask, do you mind if I bless you? I, be, I, I beg your pardon? <laughs> Do you mind if I bless you? No one had ever asked me that before. Not once. It sounded odd. And yet there was this voice deep inside me that told me to say yes. Please do. No, I don't mind. And so she took me by the hand and in this voice that had all the passion of a revivalist and all the quiet of a monk, she said this, she said, Dear Lord, bless these hands. May they heal. Bless this person. Bless his life. Bless his work. In Jesus' name, amen. And then she looked at me and she said, I ask God to bless your hands because I'm not the only one that those hands will touch today and I want to pass it on. This world needs more people like that. Now, that doesn't mean that every one of you has to go out and find some schlub and pull him close to your chest and suffocate him with a blessing prayer. That's not what we're saying here today, although that, might, that was her way. That was how she, but it wasn't about what she did. It's, it's how she was when she did it. The posture that she held as she was in that room with her doctor, she walked into that room with a healing presence, not because she saw the doctor as someone that needed to be fixed, but because somewhere along the way of her own life, she found the strength within herself to admit that there are storms happening around her and with her and in the world and in, her, in herself, and she needs help with it. And she opened her eyes, and she found Christ standing there beginning to calm her soul. Began to practice the health and faith she'd been given in this person of Christ. So, the world around her got a little healing wherever she went. That's our work too, you know. That's our work too. work on the health and faith we've been given and have found in Jesus Christ. Our work is not, not to go out there and fix everybody as if they've become 
our own little pet projects. That's not our work. The only true project you've ever been given by God is you. You. If you're going to be part of God's loving the world, then you yourself first have to know that Jesus comes to love you. If you're going to be part of God saving the world, then you need to first know yourself that God comes to save you. If you're going to be part of God's healing hands in the world, then you need to know yourself first that Jesus comes to save, to heal you, to calm your soul. And then just what might just happen is maybe when you don't even realize it, God will use you to bring healing to someone else. So keep coming back. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Amen.